Father, you are the reason we have breath in our lungs, and God, we know that when we, when we have given everything away, when we have emptied ourselves of everything that we can do, God, sometimes we have to get to that place to recognize just who you are and the fact that you are the one that revives us. God, you're the one that picks us up and, and sets us back on the place that we're supposed to be if we lean into you, if we trust in you. God, that when we have an encounter with you, it's not like an encounter we have with any other person in the world. God, an encounter with you is supernatural. And Lord, I just pray for the hurting soul today. God, I pray that they would just they would see you for who you are. God, because we know that you see them for who they are. God, you see us exactly how we are. You see all of our sin. You see all the things that, that we've done. You see our past. And God, you love us in the midst of all of that. And that is absolutely unbelievable. And the fact that you would choose to, to come to us and to rescue us and to revive us and to take us from death to life. God, it is a miracle of God. And you are the one responsible. So Lord Jesus, speak clearly to your people now. Open their eyes and their hearts to the fact that they desperately need you. God, do not let them go out of this place without them hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ clearly from you. God, this is your time. It belongs to you. So maybe we be attentive to you. May you be glorified as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have been in a series called Encounter lately. And uh, last week we actually talked about how as people of God, we are instruments in the encounter other people have with God, that, that God uses us as an instrument to encounter other people with the gospel of Christ. He doesn't have to do that, but he chooses to. And one of the things that, that I had just kind of overlooked is, is as I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, how I'm supposed to show them that this is the truth. This is the book that, that tells us everything that God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And people need to embrace that because it is true, even if it means their life. And that's a tough thing. It's an extremely difficult thing. But I had forgotten one thing that we as people of God are instruments in that encounter with other people that when people look at our testimony and the fact that 10% of a church is willing to go to a, a place where they, they, they don't have bathrooms and they for the most part there's no running water and people live on dirt floors and houses with no roofs and, and all that kind of stuff that we would choose to go there to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody that that in itself speaks loudly that testimony in itself speaks loudly for the glory of God because we are instruments of God. We are ambassadors of Christ to go and tell people. And that's what we talked about last week. So I felt like I just needed to rehash that for a second for us to kind of get back on track and remember where we were and what we were talking about. And I got to thinking about something today as we are actually going to be in Luke chapter 7. So this is kind of funny. So I'm prepping you for saying it's funny. That way you'll laugh when I tell a joke. So... You don't have to raise your hand on this, but think in your mind, have you ever been or do you know somebody who has been on a blind date? Okay, I'm going to, yeah, my mom just pointed at herself and my dad. So they called themselves out, so I don't have a problem calling, calling them out in front of the whole church. So I was hoping you would do that, mom, and I knew I could trust you to do that. So uh, she's over here going... You know, like this, and I was like, yeah, she's, I knew she was going to do that. So since you did it, uh, I get to talk about it. So um, I am the result of a blind date. Wait, no, no, look, hey. 
don't go there, okay? You terrible people. Come to the altar and repent if we're thinking that. I'm saying that my parents first met on a blind date. That's what I'm saying. That's it. I'm going to sit down. Somebody else come preach. I'm saying that my parents first met on a blind date, okay? And now you're going to be completely distracted, the whole message. You're just going to be thinking about that. They first met on a blind date, which is, I, to be honest, I mean, I, I'm thankful that they did. It's a good thing they met, for me in particular. I, I'm very thankful that they met. Um, I, I, I can't imagine the, the concept of a blind date, really. I mean, I know some of you have been on them, and that's great. That's your thing, whatever. But, but like, when they come up to the door or meet you at wherever, I mean, at Olive Garden or wherever they come, I just, like, you don't know what they look like. You don't know what kind of personality they are, they have. You, you don't, I mean, you don't know if they got a weapon behind them, an ice pick. I mean, like, you don't know, right? I mean, like, it, that's, that's scary to me, you know? I, I can't imagine doing that. And, 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 and obviously, neither one of y'all were carrying an ice pick. That was good. I mean, I'm thankful for that. But, like, because and, and I can imagine, I mean, women looking at the guy going, Backstreet is back. You know what I mean? Like, he's got the blonde tips and everything. How do you know before you see him? I mean, how do you know? And, and maybe he, she's got Cindy Lauper hair. You know what I mean? And you're like, that went out a long time ago. Why are you still holding on to it? You know, I, you don't know before you see him. I just, that blows me away. And how do you know they're not crazy, right? Like the whole ice pick thing. Like, how do, how do you know that they're not, they're not sitting there going, it rubs the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. How do you know? You know, it could be that guy is the one you're meeting up with. I, I just, I know, I know. It's, you don't know going into a blind date, and I just, I, for the life of me, I can't figure it out how, how people can do that. I, I know that people do it all the time, and it, it's very bold of you to be able to do I don't think I could ever have done that. I just, that scares me to death and I'm a dude I can't imagine being a girl and going on a blind date I, I just can't imagine that but you know when people have a blind date they approach it like well I'm gonna give it a shot and I'm gonna kind of get to know this person and see what happens I'm gonna feel out the situation I, I've tried everything else maybe and now I'm going to try this. I don't know what the situation might be, but, but they go into it saying, nah, I'm, going to, I'm going to kind of test the waters here. I don't really know who this person is, but maybe I'll find out over time. I don't really have a feeling for what's in their heart or what, what their, their past may be. I don't really know, but we'll find out over time, right? And I think that the, the people sometimes think they've had a true encounter with God when they've actually approached it like a blind date. Like when they encounter Jesus, it's like, I don't really know what this is all about. I don't know who he is exactly, but it seems like it's a good thing. It seems like this is maybe, I mean, everybody else seems to like him, so, so maybe he's a good guy. I've heard some preachers talk about him, and I know what they say that, that he's done, and I know what 
what he's supposed to be all about. And I know I'm supposed to really like Jesus. I mean, it's crazy if I don't like Jesus, especially if I don't love Jesus. I, I mean, you're, well, you're a Satan worshiper if you don't love Jesus. I mean, like, what's going on? So, and they encounter Jesus in a way. It's almost like a blind date that they're just going to kind of figure it out. And they never, really, they never really embrace who Jesus is. They never really have a true encounter with the fact that he is God in the flesh. And they don't really see that. You know what I mean? They've just kind of felt it out and said, well, I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to feel this way. And I don't really, but yeah, maybe. And I'm going to tell you today that I don't believe that the, the people that approach Jesus like that, they just act ah, that they've really had an encounter with Jesus Christ, the God of the universe that has come in human flesh to save all of us from the destruction of ourselves. I don't think that those people have had a true encounter with God. And we're going to look today at Luke chapter 7, and we're going to look at, at two different people that have an encounter with Jesus Christ, two different sets of people, two different types of people, and how they approach their encounter with Jesus. So let's look today in Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36. It starts out like this. Now Jesus, he's traveling around doing his normal Jesus stuff, and it's pretty interesting what happens here. One of the, one of the Pharisees beginning in verse 36 of Luke chapter 7. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. She knelt behind him at, him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. So I want to tell you something today. Um, Brett, I don't know if we still have this picture in our memory banks back there, but that picture that I actually gave you last week, if we could throw that up there at some point. But yes, good job. So I don't know if you have a, a mental image in your mind about what it looked like when people in Jesus' day, how they ate and how they reclined and how they had food and all that. This is a more accurate depiction then the Last Supper picture that you always saw, you know, with Jesus sitting here and he's frozen in time and it's all picturesque and you got all the disciples and you got one laying over on him and all this kind of stuff. This is actually more what it was like when they ate in Jesus' day, okay? So a lot of reclining going on here while they ate. There's, there's so many things I need to tell you about this, but let me just say this, that typically they did this because their feet were nasty, and you don't want somebody's nasty feet around your food. So you got your feet as far away from the food as possible. This was kind of their tradition about how they, how they ate. And, and it was, you know, in close proximity to one another. And if you actually read the, the accounts of the Last Supper, you can kind of see what actually makes more sense for them to have ate like this than it would, you know, the whole Last Supper portrait that everybody has seen. But this is, this is why you see in here that... that it says that she came up behind Jesus and she was at his feet. Now, one thing I need to tell you is this is not, this is not the encounter that Jesus has in Bethany right before he goes to the cross, okay? I don't want you to get these two encounters mixed up. I, I want you to understand that this is a different encounter. This is, this is a woman. A, it says a sinful woman, so mo most likely, uh, according to everything that we know, she's a prostitute, She's a woman of sinful character. She's, she's, she's a prostitute. 
And she gets word that Jesus is going to have dinner at a Pharisee's house. Now, it was commonplace for them to, to invite. It was kind of like a big social event for them to invite important people over to their house to have dinner. And it wasn't like it was a, a house that was closed off and, and, and locked up and nobody else really got in there. It would be more like the equivalent of if somebody was having a dinner down at the Civic Center. And people could kind of roam by one of the banquet rooms and look in and maybe stroll in or whatever. It wasn't like it was locked down to the point where nobody else could get in there. It was commonplace for people to kind of mosey around and maybe come in and come out. But it certainly wouldn't have been commonplace for this woman to go into a Pharisee's house while he was having dinner with an important person. Big social event going on in town, and Jesus is there, and he's been teaching, and, and one of the Pharisees asked him, you know, come over to my house, we'll have a meal, we'll sit down with some more important people in the community, and, and we'll find out what you're all about. We'll, we'll, we'll see what you're all about. It says, when the Pharisee had, uh, when the Pharisee had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. So here, I want you to see something. This Pharisee had an encounter with Jesus, but he was just trying to feel him out. Sometimes, many times, they were, they were trying to, to catch him in something that wasn't true or catching him breaking the law or something like that, so they would test him all the time. So that was one of the things that they liked to do to Jesus. I don't know necessarily the, the, um, the Pharisees' intention in this particular meeting with Jesus, but I'll tell you this about this meeting is they didn't really treat Jesus all that well when he came in the door, which we'll see that in just a minute. So in my mind, that kind of says to me, if you weren't really giving Jesus the kind of recognition he deserved, then you probably didn't really want to it recognized the fact that he was God, and you kind of didn't, they were more likely trying to test him as opposed to trying to get to know him. And here the Pharisee is just trying to figure out what this guy is all about. And it's pretty cool what happens here. It's really cool what happens here. This woman, she's heard about Jesus in town, and maybe she's heard him preach or teach around town, and she... She knows who he is. She has an encounter with Jesus Christ. She has an encounter with God. You know how I know that? Because when she gets close to him, all she can do is weep. All she can do is weep. You know why? Because I think she, she sees herself for who she is. She, she sees her past. She sees the things that she did Last week, last month, and even yesterday. She sees her sinful nature and how far away from God she really is. She sees that about herself when she is in the pro close proximity to the person of Jesus Christ. She just sees herself for who she is. And she sees him for who he is. And all she can do is weep. That's what a real encounter with Jesus Christ looks like. When you get close to Jesus and you go, this is God. I know this is God because I can see who I am because I see who he is. And if you've never really had that experience, 
then you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you have had that experience where you recognize that you are in the presence of God and you have been broken over the fact of who you are and the fact that you desperately needed Jesus Christ, when you have had that, you just know that you've experienced that. You're not just feeling him out and saying, man, is this a good guy? What's he all about? I know I should like him. I know I should love him. I don't know if I do. Maybe I'll grow to love him. You just do. It's just when you're there in his presence, you can't help but to just weep because he's God. And the Pharisees, they're here at the table too. They're in close proximity to Jesus too. But their heart's not in that place. That's, you know what they're more worried about? They're more worried about who she is. Oh, there's a big one, right? <laughs> they're more worried about who she is. They're not so worried about who Jesus is. They're too worried about who she is. And they're like, they're trying to put the pieces together. With this was God, he would recognize that that was a sinful woman. God doesn't want to be in the presence of sinful people. How many people do you know that are like that? They're too pharisaical to, to even be able to get a grasp on who God is. They're too worried about what, what, what everybody else is doing and what so-and-so looks like and who's protesting this and who's doing that. You know where we need to be looking? We need to be looking right here. We're sitting right next to Jesus and we're looking at everybody else. That's ridiculous. And here, you got a Pharisee. He goes... I can't be a prophet. There's no way that guy's from God. Because if he was, he'd recognize who that woman is. The, the whole irony of the situation is he knows exactly who it is. He knows the sin. He knows the past. He knows the history. He knows all of it. Just like he knows each and every one of us. And he knows he's God. And he knows her heart. And the Pharisees... Look, look what he says here. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself. So he's talking to himself. He's not talking out loud. He's talking to himself. Nobody else knows this is going on in his brain. And Jesus replies to him. He asks himself a question and Jesus answers the question. I don't know any other human being that can do that. Do you? He, he goes, well, if this guy, if he knew that, who that really was. And then Jesus goes. He, <laughs> it says, then Jesus answered his thoughts. That's a good trick. I'm in with that guy that can answer my thoughts. I'm hanging out with him. Just saying. Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. God is about to speak. And he doesn't even know it. He's too busy worried about the woman sitting behind Jesus to even recognize that God's about to speak. And he's going to miss it. He's going to miss it. He says, a man... Loan money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both. 
canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? And Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. So he's challenging the Pharisee. God in flesh is actually challenging the Pharisee on what's going on in his heart. He didn't even verbalize the question that he had in his mind, which was, this is a sinful woman. If that's God, he certainly wouldn't have anything to do with her. And, and Jesus answers the guy's thoughts, and he goes, if you loan somebody 500 and somebody else 50, and you forgive both of their debts, I mean, who's going to love you more? I, I want you to just kind of see something here just real quick. and He's saying... Who recognizes more about who they are? Who recognizes the greater debt? It's not that the sinful woman had more sin in her life than the Pharisee, so there was a greater canceling of the debt, okay? It's a recognition of the debt, okay? This woman recognized that she owed a great debt for her sin and her distance from God. The Pharisee did not recognize that he owed a great debt. He just thought that he just owed a little bit. So he wasn't very far from God. He thought that he had it all taken care of because the way he dressed, the things he said, the way he pretended. And Jesus is saying, no, when you look at your heart, there is a great debt. And if you look at the cross and what Jesus proved on the cross, it proved that the Pharisees were further away from God because of their heart. Everything that they, they thought, man, the, the, the people that were, that were broken and destitute and, and sinful, that had nothing, they were actually closer to Jesus because they had nothing, because they recognized their debt. But the Pharisees were further away because they thought they had it all together. And they don't see that it's completely backwards than what they think. And he, he says, he says, so who, who's going to love him more? He said, the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. So is Jesus, see, it's this whole back and forth thing that's going on here. I want you to kind of see this. Jesus is really telling the Pharisee, you should be loving me more than this woman should because you have a greater debt. She sees herself for who she is, and I'm forgiving her. But you actually have a greater debt because you're actually further away from me, because you don't see yourself for who you are, because you don't see me for who I am. He's saying you have the greater debt. Because look at what he says next. Look at, look at what Jesus, he said, he, Jesus tell him, you're right, Simon, you've got it. You're completely correct in the context of this story, but in the context of your life, you are absolutely wrong. Because look at the way they treated Jesus. And Simon turned to the woman. Then, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered the home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she washed them with tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, they are many, 
have been forgiven. So she has shown, because, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said this among themselves. Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is what he says. He says, you know what he says? He says, look at the heart of this woman. Look at the heart of this woman. See, she came in here, and it looked like she was far from me. But in reality, she was close to me. But she was only far from me in a human perspective, from your perspective. You didn't even show me any kind of hospitality when I came in here. You, you didn't even welcome me like a stranger off the street, which, which you would have anointed their head with oil and you would have washed the dust from their feet. You would have greeted me with a kiss, which is custom in our time. You would have just done those things. But you didn't even treat me like that. And here she comes in. And she doesn't wash my feet with water. No, she washes my feet with her tears. She takes the most precious perfume and pours it on me. She didn't just kiss me. She's kissing my feet. The dirtiest, nastiest, lowest part of me. She has humbled herself before me and she is kissing my feet because she recognizes I am God. She recognizes who she's in the presence of. And the Pharisees, they don't have a clue. They've missed it all. And then, to make things worse, to, to double, to compound the issue, what do the Pharisees start doing? Do they go, Man, this is God. He's right. We did not treat him the way he should have been treated when he came in here. He, he's right. Even though we looked at this lady as, as a sinful woman who was far from God, we shouldn't be treating her like that. This dude is right, man. God forgives sin and God wants people to come back. to. No, they don't see any of that. All they see is their own selfish mindset, their own selfish way of viewing things. Because they don't know God. They don't know who God really is. They've missed who God is. What do they start doing? What do they start doing? They start speculating who he is. Who is this guy that thinks he can forgive sin? The dude just answered your thoughts. He just spoke to your brain and to your heart and said, this is what's going on inside of you. Nobody else knows, but I know. And they refuse to believe it. They refuse to see it. I think this is what happens with some people when they have what they think is an encounter with Jesus. They think that it's, it's just to get to know him, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing with Jesus. Just, just keep, you know, acting and pretending and, and, and maybe you'll learn to love. I don't think it works that way with him. I think that once you recognize that you're in the presence of God and you see yourself for who you are and you recognize the fact that he sees you for who you are and you go, he loves me even in spite of all that. I think that immediately you go, well, that breaks my heart. 
how could somebody love me that way? How could somebody care about me on that level? Look at all the things I've done from a human perspective that would cause you to hate me. And because you were a God, you love me because of that stuff? And it turns out that if I just turn myself towards you, and if, I, if I'm broken and I, I say, God, you are what I need, that that's the answer? And these Pharisees, they can't even see it. All they can see is their tradition, the way they've always thought of God. And they can't get by that enough to see who Jesus really is. It's so sad to me. It's so sad to me. Um, I see people that come to church and they come, you know, I, some of them every single week. And, and they'll, they'll tell you they're a Christian. They'll, they'll tell you all day long, man, I am a Christ follower. They've never really had an encounter with Jesus. They've never really had an encounter with Jesus, so much so that they just, they, they recognized who they were in their sin because they saw God for who he was and they were just broken over that and said, God, I need you. I've been far from you and I just need you. Instead, they look at Jesus and go, I think so, but I'm not really sure. I think so, but I'm not really sure. One day you'll be standing in the presence of Jesus. You'll, you'll be standing face to face with him. And, and he's going to look at you and he's, he's going to say, it's, it's easy to believe in me now. But when I was speaking to you, when I was speaking to your heart, and I was trying to show you that I know who you are and I know your past and I know the things that you've done and I loved you anyway and I gave myself up for you and I told you that if you, you would trust in me and you would believe in me for that, that you could spend eternity with me. But your pride was so big that you just couldn't surrender to it and you certainly couldn't make it public. How is that going to hold up when you're face to face with him? Jesus, I felt like you were really calling me to a true relationship with you, but I was too scared to make that public. I was too scared for anybody to see me humble myself before the whole world to say that Jesus Christ is king of my life. When you have a real encounter with Jesus, you don't care what anybody else thinks. When you have a real encounter with Jesus Christ, you're like this lady that will pour expensive perfume over Jesus and say, I don't care about how much money it costs. When, when, when you have a real encounter with Jesus, you don't care who else is in the room. You just go, there's the guy that's God and I need to get close to him. And I don't care what anybody else says. I'm just going to be where he is. When you have a real encounter with Jesus, you aren't looking around at so-and-so and what they have done or what they have said. All you see is Jesus, and it's Jesus alone, and that's all you care about. And you just want to get close to him. And you just want to tell him that you want to know him personally. That he is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our tears. He's worthy of being anointed with the, the best perfume. 
that you don't care how nasty his feet are. All you care about is him. You just want him. You don't care about anything external. That's a real encounter with Jesus. And why are there so many people pretending like they've had that, but they don't? They're too worried about everybody else. Think about it. Think about it. Are you one of the people that if you had been on the outside of that room that day, you would have looked in and said, man, I ain't no way I can go in there. What are they going to say? What are they going to think? They might throw me out. They, 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 may, they may call the police on me and have to have me kicked out of the room. And I certainly don't deserve to be in there, man. And I, I'm telling you, once you get your eyes fixed on Jesus and you see that is what I need, nothing stops you. You aren't concerned about anything else besides Jesus Christ and him receiving your praise and your worship. And she humbled herself before Jesus, anointed him with precious perfume, wiped his feet with her tears, kissed his feet, humbled before the one and only God of the universe that was there walking amongst us. And and Jesus tells her, he says, I know that you think you're far from me. But because I can see your heart and you can see who I am, you're really close to me. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. How strong is your faith if everything else and everybody else is what keeps you from Jesus? How strong is your faith? How strong is it? I would say it's not very strong. Borderline unexistent. What faith does it take to stay on the outside of the room looking in and go, there's Jesus. I hope I get to know him one day. That doesn't require any faith at all. I'm telling you, a real encounter with Jesus, it changes everything and it doesn't look right from a human perspective. Allow him to change your heart. Ask God, say, God, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I just want an encounter with you. I've pretended and I've acted like I've had one, but I haven't. All these stories that we keep reading about, it's different than the story of my life. It's different than what I saw in my life. And and God, I want to just be close to you, and I don't care what anybody else thinks. Jesus really said it's about the heart. He looked at the Pharisees' heart. He saw what was in their heart. He looked at this woman's heart, and he saw what was in her heart. Now, the good news for you and I is this. He looks into our hearts. And yes, he sees all the failures. He sees all the things that you've done wrong. He sees all the shortcomings. He sees how you've let him down. He sees all of that. And he loves us anyway. And he loves us anyway. Let me pray. Father, God, your grace truly is amazing, and I cannot get over it, and I will not stop talking about it. God, there's too many people in this world that think they've had an encounter with Jesus when all they've had, or they've just been on the outside of the room looking in and seeing where he was and hoping they get to know him, hoping they love, learn to love him one day.
God, I pray that people would have a real encounter with Jesus Christ, so much so that their life is forever changed because of their faith, because they don't care what anybody else thinks, because Jesus Christ rules and reigns in their life. And God, being close to you is all that matters to them. That God, the, the worship of their life is one where tears are poured out on your feet, where they spend every day at your feet, kissing your feet, and just pouring the most precious gifts they have, pouring them out on you, because that is what you deserve. That's what you're worthy of, Father. God, people have been deceived for far too long. This whole learn to love Jesus thing, it's not real. God, may we put our, our pride and everything else aside and just be close to you. There may be people here today that just need to surrender their whole life to you and they need to come at your feet today. Maybe their tears need to fall on your feet today and they just need to say, Jesus, I know who you are. Jesus, I know who I am. Thank you for being who you are and loving me for who I am. And then for the person that's got away from Jesus, they feel like their sin has just separated themselves from you and that there's, there's no way back. I pray that you have impressed upon their hearts the fact that you love them now just like you did when you gave yourself up for them that you can revive them, that you can draw them back to you. God, that they just need to come to you at your feet. God, let those tears of repentance fall on your feet. And God, that you would revive them, that you would draw them back to you. God, this time belongs to you. I pray that people wouldn't stay on the outside looking in. I pray that they would come to you today and they would be in your presence. God, and they would experience a real encounter with you. This time belongs to you, Father. Speak to people's hearts. Show them the truth of the gospel. And may they surrender to it. This is your time. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone stand?